Hey, Dowell. David Kloniker with the Charleston Post and Courier. Yes, sir. Um, you know, being a play caller in the NFL, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of major adjustment to do it in college. Just, I know you just got here, but what does that adjustment look like? What all do you have to do to say, all right, I got to do this to get ready to start calling plays and go? Yes, sir. I don't think the play calling process is any different than it is in the NFL at the highest level. What is different is field dimensions and hashes and space and tempo and all those things that uh, in college football are very important. And that's where I think my if I think if you transition straight from the NFL to college football, I think it can be tough because it is a different game in some ways. Uh, obviously, the NFL is the highest level of football, and it's to Coach Beamer's point. There's not a 20-hour rule, and you're with your quarterbacks and your players all day. And you're just grinding ball, and that's what it is. And you, outside of evaluating some players, but uh, going to Arkansas for those two years gave me such a uh, it will be such a benefit for me because now you can see the hash plays that you need, the space plays that you need that aren't as important in the NFL because it's still 53 and a third, but that, those hashes are six yards. And now there's a field boundary and there's a real element of that. Um, so pl calling the plays is calling the plays, but the two years of Arkansas have been extremely beneficial for me that way, understanding um, the college game a little bit more. Hey, Coach, uh, Jeremiah Holloway with the state. Uh, welcome to Columbia. This team, of course, next year is going to look, you know, pretty different from what it was this past year, I guess, with, you know, transfer portal and things like that. Just, But from what you've seen from uh, South Carolina's offense, obviously last year when you all played them and just any other tape that you've seen, um, what about that team? Or I guess what do, you, what do you see as maybe some of the things that they do well and some of their identity on offense and things that um, you, you would look to uh, help them improve upon? Um, okay, Jeremy, I'm going to kind of answer your question, but going to go in a different direction with it. We played you guys week two, and um, we obviously won the game in a, in a fashion that I felt like we were the better team that day and maybe for the whole season. And what it, I've gotten to this point in my career where I can be very picky with jobs. And at this point, you start picking people, and you pick cultures. And to play you guys in week two, and you guys a talented football team, no question, but – um, what you guys started with in week two to how you finished, there was something special about this place and this culture and what's being created to finish the way you did. And that goes back to Coach Beamer and what he's created here with the culture. And that's what really enticed me with this, with this job. It was, that was the opportunity that was like, something special is going on there. I want to be part of it. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't a football thing. The football will take care of itself. We got a lot of, we got a good staff. We got a great head coach, but and you got great kids and you see they're bought in because how do you lose that game in week two in the SEC and finish the way you did? And it goes back to the culture you're building. Um, I haven't had it. I've watched obviously some, some tape. Uh, this last three or four days has been a grind and uh, getting caught up and in a lot of different ways, but uh, you know, get up to speed that way. I know that we've got good players and our job is to get the most out of each player. And that's, that's how I would define success is, dude, did you max out everyone to the, to the highest level of their capability. Hey, Coach Emily Adams at the Greenville News. Eagles fan? Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm from Philly originally. Uh, I grew up in Texas, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess we'll have fun on Christmas Eve yeah, then. <laughs> um, you've been really touted as a strong recruiter. Just, you know, in the NFL, you don't have to do that. So where did you kind of build that skill set and, you know, what – do the next couple weeks look like for you in terms of getting on the ground recruiting for South Carolina? Yes, ma'am. Um, the hard thing about the NFL is you don't get to pick your players. 
And, you know, when we were in Chicago in 2016, um, talk about Alshon, had a great year for us. Um, and he was our best player on offense. And he goes to free agency. And in my mind that time, I'd only coached in pro football. And you get frustrated because you're like, man, we just let our best receiver go. And that, that guy's not replaceable. And so you, in the back of my mind, I was always intrigued with college football. And I th I'm thinking to myself, you know what, if you go to college football, you're accountable for your roster. Like, if you don't have a good enough roster, that's your fault. And you determine how well and how hard you recruit. And you determine the success you can have. And you felt like, hey, you have a little bit more um, ownership in the roster building part of it. And I think recruiting comes down to relationships. And I don't think you can fool an 18 to 22 year old. They see right through it. And um, I'm a, I consider myself a people person. I enjoy, I love the recruiting process because you get to meet a lot of cool kids and a lot of parents and come from different situations and different backgrounds. And you get to tell them and sell them and not, not really sell them because I don't really consider it recruiting. I consider it building relationships and building relationships to the point where they, they either a mom, a dad, a uh, auntie, a grandma trust you with their kids. And it, that's a more awesome responsibility than, than you can imagine as a coach. And I take the being the play caller at South Carolina is a huge responsibility but you're also going to mold 18 to 22 year olds into, into becoming young adults. And that's an awesome responsibility as well that I take very seriously. And I think that when you talk to recruits and parents, I think they feel that. And they, they can feel, they feel sincere versus fake. And they feel recruiting versus building relationships. And we have such an awesome program to sell. We got a great head coach to sell, uh, an awesome fan base. There's no game day atmosphere in America like this place. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. Hi, Coach. Rick Henry, WIS-TV. Yes, sir. When you made the transition from the NFL to college, how long did it take you to feel comfortable just making that transition and with the uh, you know differences between the two? And also, yeah. how important is the spring going to be for you as um, you implement your offense with a new team? Yes, sir, Rick. It, um, so when I left the Jets, I had a little brief stint with Coach Franklin at Penn State for about – it was about three months um, – and as a guy that I have a ton of respect for, when I was in Tennessee, he was the head coach at Vanderbilt. And I used to wear him out about, I was at practice all the time. I was curious about recruiting. He's a relentless recruiter. And I wanted to know more about it before, hey, I want to know, do I, if, do I want to go jump in college football or do I want to continue to go coach in the NFL? And so it was an awesome opportunity for me to go and learn that a guy who's run a program for a long time, had a ton of success at Vanderbilt, um, and doing great things at Penn State. and so. I got to see the nuts and bolts of his program from the inside out, which also gave me confidence. Like, hey, I do want to. I want to go coaching college football. The you know, because when you've never recruited, you're you're worried. Like, hey, what's this recruiting? Like, you guys have heard the horror stories. Like, um, you know, it's. But I've really enjoyed that process, and I needed that to say, hey, this is something I want to do. So when the Arkansas opportunity came back to go back to my alma mater and coach, and it was. Um, I think it surprised a lot of people that I was willing to go become the tight end coach, but it was an SEC job and it was a chance to prove to people I could recruit and I needed to, I needed to do that. I, I know the football aspect of it, but I also wanted to prove to, that I could be uh, recruited at a high level. So I, you know, that, was, that was part of the process. And then I think the spring is really important to get to know your players and do what, find out what each one of them can do. And your job as a coach, like, it's not that we're not going to have one system and say, hey, this is our system. You have to fit it. We got to find out what each one of our guys does best and put them in that situation. That's how you create success. And that's the only way to maximize a person. It's not just trying to, 
you know, fit one player into the system, and that's what you do in spring ball. You're not, you don't play, there's no, there's no scoreboard. You're creating competition on the roster, and you're creating depth for your team, and you're building fundamentals, and we're going to find out what each guy's skill set is. So that the spring is extremely important for, for our roster, for our staff, and for myself. Hey, Dowell. I'm Matt Dowell uh, with Watch Fox from Dowell to Dowell. It's nice to meet you. Welcome to Columbia. D-O-W-E-L-L? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Welcome to Columbia. I won't forget your name. <laughs> um, you guys have talked about culture so much. Just to go deeper into that, how would you describe the culture here at South Carolina, and how does it compare to other places that you've been? Well, your perception from the outside when you watch this thing is like, okay, um, there's an excitement there, and it's something that people want to be a part of. And when you create that culture, I can only imagine the, co the phone calls and text messages that Coach Beamer got about every opportunity that comes open because people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And I think that's a, like, a great reflection of Coach Beamer and Emily and the culture they've created here with Coach Tanner and Chance. And there, there's, you guys know it. You guys feel there's part of programs. It's just something special about it. And sometimes it's hard to put into words. You just know you want to be a part of it. And you know it looks like a lot of fun. And you're watching those Tennessee games and the, and the Clemson games, and you're like, that's awesome. Like, how do you get to be part of that? And there's a feeling when you walk in the door. It's how you're received as a new coach. And it's how their support staff here is texting your wife. And it's the small things. And it's the little things that matter in this whole profession because it's about people. And Coach Beamer said it, and I believe it with all my heart, is you win with people. And they've got great people here. They've got great support staff. They've got great leadership. And they have a great head coach. And it seems like we, got, we have great kids. I, and I'm really excited to meet some of those. So that's what the culture is. It's a bunch of little things that add up into big things. But the little things are what counts the most. And there's a, there's a special feeling that you have when you're part of something special. And sometimes it's from the outside. It just it looks really cool and really exciting. And um, watching those game day atmospheres in South Carolina, I've heard so much about the Gamecock walk. And goosebumps and tears and I got to coach Connor Shaw in Cleveland and Chicago and that guy is a diehard die South Carolina guy and he's the toughest player I've ever coached and I heard about how him and Alshon talked about the program and I think they both played for coach Spurrier but then to see what Shane's uh, coach Beamer's been able to create here is it's just something something special about it and I'm really excited to be a part of it I know I said a lot but I don't know if any of it made sense right there but um I think it's just the feeling you get when you walk through the door of there's it's something something big is happening here. Hey, Dal Ben Portnoy with the State newspaper. Yes, sir. In terms of obviously you're going to be coaching quarterbacks here, what does it look like to be coached by you as a quarterback? What are you kind of looking for in that position? I guess what does that kind of look like on a day to day basis? How do you kind of attack that room? Yeah, I think it's what kind of I mentioned to Rick is finding the best, taking what they do and making it better. Like. When you get to this age, you're not going to change a throwing motion. You can tweak it, and you can shorten it, and you can get the ball out quicker. Um, you can coach the lower body extremely hard. You can teach guys to have rhythm in the throws, and there's ways to do that. Um, I do think that the advantage of coming from the NFL is that you learn a lot. You learn a lot from quarterbacks that you've coached. And when I was my first job as a quarterback coach, I coached Kerry Collins, who was six or seven years older than me. And he'd been coached by Sean Payton and North Turner, and then I got, you know, I had Vince Young for a little while, and then I had Matt Hasselback, who was older than me and one of the smartest people I've ever met. And then you go coach Jay Cutler, and I learned as much about the throwing mechanics from those guys and having just conversations 
because these guys don't have class. Like we're sitting around all day watching tape and watching throwing motions and breaking down the details of their fundamentals. And you work together with them. You're not telling them. It's not a dictatorship. It's you're working with them and saying, hey, do you think you should widen your base? Do you think you missed that throw to the left because your target line was bad? And you figure out that a lot of these NFL players can self-correct. They're so talented they can overcome bad fundamentals. Um, but you also – it's just – that being, I love coaching quarterbacks because I love the fundamentals of it. I love the intangibles that come with it. The, I think you can make a huge difference on people that are willing to work. Now, the, the player has to be willing to do that and commit. And it's not easy and it's really hard. And outside of being the head coach, and you could argue whether the quarterback or offensive coordinator is the most scrutinized position in football. And it comes, it's a heavy burden to wear the crown. And just be able to teach these guys what I've learned from 17 years of coaching at the highest level at the quarterback position and some of the, you know, really, really good players, pro bowlers, and um, that we've been around, just be able to pour all of that into, you know, the 17 years into a person, which excites me because it's you get a chance to make a kid better. And that, that's why you coach is to see, hey, how, how good can we make you and how willing are you willing to work and, like, you spend all your energy to making a kid better. Hey, Dal, Pete Iacobelli from the AP. Yes, sir. And I did pull for you as a Jets fan in 19 and 20. You know, it's tough to <laughs> Those say. Those were some rough years. Yeah, yeah, they sure were. <laughs> Dal, on a, on a brighter note, what does a Dal Loggins offense look like when it's clicking, when things are working? What do you like to do uh, out there? Um, Pete, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, Pete, the th I know I don't want to be – I told uh, Steve this. I don't want to speak in a bunch of coaching cliches. You guys are going to find this out about me. I want to be very honest and very transparent with everything. And for me to make any kind of statement of anything other than the truth right now would be like just propaganda, uh, is maximize our players. Like really find out what we have. And I don't know right now. And we need spring ball, Rick, to find that out. I need to know what these guys can do. Our staff's going to do – they'll be able to fill me in on – their opinions and um, of expectations and what a guy can and can't do. But we really want to build an offense that um, obviously, number one, I think the most important thing about offense is you create pressure on defense. And you can do that in a lot of ways. You've got to create conflict, whether that be RPOs, tempo, um, play action passes. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. But offense, defense, especially, is, is really about creating pressure on the opponent. And the way to do that is you find out who your playmakers are and put them in spots that create conflict on the defense. And that's how I think that well, the one thing in college football um, that you have to attack is 53 and a third. Like everyone wants to attack vertical. But in college, it's, it's space and pace. That's a real thing. You know, I've watched for two years uh, our offense and, um, that we evolved in. It's not Baylor. It wasn't Ole Miss, you know, versions of it there. But it was also with the ability to run the football and going really, really fast wasn't always the answer, but being able to play with tempo is. So we're really going to try to find out um, what our players can do, starting with – and I, I think there's a priority in that. It starts with quarterback, and then it goes to offensive line. And then you find out what your skill guys do well, but you have to build it that way through the quarterback's eyes and the offensive line. And then how do we get our skill guys the ball? So I hope that to be successful – is that we create balance, which means multiple touches for our playmakers. And we don't come in here after a game and have a conversation about, hey, why did so-and-so only have two catches? Or why did so-and-so only have, you know, nine carries and, and those things that, that you hope that you maximize your players.
Hey, Donald. Colin Taylor from Gamecock Central. Um, you mentioned the quarterback position. Yeah. What have you seen when you got to watch Spencer Rattler this year in week two? And, and what have conversations been like with him if you've had them? Yeah, uh, we have had it. I'm sorry that you we uh, shared the Browns experience, but uh, um, I actually enjoy. That was why I got to uh, coach Connor Shaw for the first time, so there were positives in it as well. But uh, you know, uh, Spencer's been good. I don't want to go into too much detail of what we've talked about, but week two, I'm going to be. This is me, who I am. I was concerned about where you guys were going to go after we played y'all, because um, we the way we beat y'all. Um, and then to and you saw like it was there like there were some plays there were some injuries and things but um, to be honest at the end of the season I was kind of shocked how you guys finished like you got better every week and I think that I thought those last two games and I hadn't had a chance to really dive in and talk to Spencer about this but he played free and for whatever reason he got to the point where he looked very confident and it, it didn't feel that way all year. It was, I think that's probably what creates some inconsistency. It's hard, it's easy for me to sit up here and judge that, but that would be my observation, which could be wrong. Um, but those last two games, he felt like he was getting the, like it was the best version of him and he was confident and played free. And that's really, you have to get to the point in this game where there's an absence of fear. Like you have to get that way where, and it's, that's part of the culture as well that you create and um, that we want to create as well offensively. Like, you get to the point where you're confident, and knowledge builds confidence, and confidence allows you to play fast. And at that point, the, those last two games, that's what it felt like. Uh, I was extremely impressed with him. Um, we got to we got to do a great job recruiting him back. And I told someone that be the biggest recruit since my wife. Um, and that's you know we got to do a good job with that. And I'm excited to you know get back here and talk to him and visit uh, face to face as well. Hey, Coach Loggins, Gene Sapikoff from the Charleston Post and Courier. Yes, sir. Um, did Coach Beamer correctly state that you turned down an SEC offensive coordinator job last year? In the last month, have you had any offensive coordinator job offers? And if so, how many? Um, Gene, I respect the question. I think we all in here know that Coach Beamer is a very honorable and honest person. And that's I'm going to leave it at that. Like, I don't want to speculate on this. I have the job that I wanted. I'm excited about this opportunity. My family is. We're extremely humbled and understand the awesome responsibility we have. Hey, I'm Alan Cole with GameCrossHoop.com on Rivals. Um, you mentioned um, evolution and kind of Beamer was talking about blending some college and some NFL stuff. How do you yeah. feel like you've changed as a play caller or, or maybe not as a play caller, but just your offense philosophy since you got to college and how do you kind of anticipate that moving forward with a new roster now? Yeah, I think that's um, the, it's kind of the vision, right, of like what this thing is. And I don't know that I would have the same vision if I hadn't spent the two years at Arkansas. And I think that's where it was. It became obvious to me the hardest thing to do in college football is to tackle in space. It's just hard, and you don't do that as much in the NFL, and the NFL DBs are really good. The DBs in this conference are really good. Um, but it's still, like, when you can create space, it just becomes very difficult to do um, to get people down. So I think that's where – I think for the first time in the last four or five years, the first time in football is things used to start in the NFL and go to college and then down to high school. Well, things now are going from high school to college to the NFL, and you're seeing more of these offenses, the Kansas Cities, the, the Eagles. Um, they play with more space now. And it's for those reasons, like the evolution of the game is like creating space. And how, how, there's a lot of different ways to do it, and there's a lot of ways to change the presentation to do it. But I would not have had that same vision if I didn't spend 
time in college football and understand and li also listen to uh, we had a really good defensive coordinator Arkansas Barry Odom who just became the head coach of UNLV and just to hear those guys talk about how much space bothers them and how many missed space tackles there are in college football and you know people don't people don't practice like they used to there are no more two a days and you're not just tackling all day and I think it's the lost art a little bit of being able to block and tackle and just the core fundamentals of football that I think that you have to you have to present in your offense at college football. I'm Hale McGranahan with the Big Spur dot com twenty four seven sports. Did you say Owen? Hale. Hale, okay, yes. gotcha. Yes. Uh L E or I L? H A L E. Okay. Yes, sir. I appreciate you clarifying. Some people have trouble with it. Yeah. Um when, I don't know if I'll ever write your name, but I wanted to know because uh, I care. Do you want to give my last name a shot? It's it's a nightmare. Yeah, I'm good with Hale. All right, cool. <laughs> when uh, when you're evaluating, recruiting, offering quarterbacks, uh, what are some of those main main things, main traits you're looking for with those guys? Yeah, I think with young people, one of the biggest things that sticks out, especially in today's age of transfer portal, instant gratification, NIL, all those things, is emotional stability. You want a kid that's emotionally tough, that's been through hard things in their life, because most times if you've been through hard things, then you're willing to stick things out because you know everything in life is hard. And then, so I think it's a natural throwing motion. It's a guy that plays with a base. I, I mentioned to uh, someone earlier, it might have been, um, I don't think you can change a throwing motion. Like, and I think the people that say they can coach accuracy, I think you can improve it a little bit, but some of it's God-given. And a loose arm and playing with the base. And what playing with the base is, is you'll pl you play with your feet apart. Because in the pocket, when you're, it's like a phone booth, when everything starts shrinking, you have to be able to stand there and sit on a spot and make a throw. And there's also the courage to stare down the barrel when you know someone's coming, you know you're going to get hit, and it's going to hurt. But it's third and seven, and it's the fourth quarter in, the, in a big game in the SEC, and you've got to be able to hit the, hit the dig. And when we, when we call dagger, like you have to be able to throw that and sit in there. And so I think it's there's a mental makeup of it that I think the NFL scouting process has huge advantages. When we go into high schools um, at Arkansas, when I was there, people would laugh at me because I would go talk to the trainer and the student managers and ask about the kid and ask the, the counselor and this, the teachers and the people at the convenience store. But I also wanted to know, especially at that position, quarterback, how important the mental make of it is. Can you handle the burden of being a quarterback in the SEC? It's hard. You guys are hard on people. Our fan base is hard, and the, all the fan bases, because there's, it's a heavy burden to wear the crown, and you have to be able to, to handle that. And in, in the SEC and the NFL, there's no, there's, those two places are different. And if you can't, then you'll crumble. And that's what makes it really hard. It's the physical attributes of a, a good throwing motion, playing with a base, and being accurate, and able to be, also be able to extend plays. Like you can't sit on the spot anymore and just sit back there and be a statue and expect to have the 92 Dallas Cowboy offensive line and um, be able to sit back there and do that. So there's a lot of things that go into it. Those are probably the biggest things when you're looking at quarterbacks, and you got to get on campus and watch them throw. There's nothing like watching a kid throw live, and the tape, the tape can trick you, um, and it's hard to evaluate sometimes, and not all tape is the same. It's not standard. Like there's some programs that have better tape than others. So we got to get these kids here. Which why why South Carolina, an awesome awesome recruiting base. Like you're close to a lot of different things. Um, there's no excuse not to get the best kids on, in the country here because we we are we have great facilities. We have great leadership, and we have 
an opportunity to get them here because we're regionally we have we have strong uh, recruiting ties here. Thank you. Hey, Coach uh, Phil Cornblue with the Sports Talk Media Network here in South Carolina. Uh, unapologetic Packers fan, and uh, quarterbacks are fine in Green Bay. We're we're happy with our QBs. You should. Yeah. You should be. Well, we like our guys. It's an and Lambeau's an awesome place. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Went there one time. Unfortunately, I've been there too many times. Yeah. 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 With I don't Aaron apologize. Rodgers and Brett Favre and a lot of good players. Yeah. Also hate the Bears, so you know how that goes. The rivalry. Um, do you coming in new? Do you uh, tear up the playbook from before um, and, and start anew with terminology and all that? And also, uh, I don't know how accurate this is, but one of the things we we'd heard about uh, the Coach Satterfield offense was that it was very complex and, and players had had trouble at times you know, picking it up. They were thinking more than reacting. Uh, is your offense going to be uh, extremely complex uh, and, and hard for the guys to to pick up? So um, you know they're they're doing more thinking than reacting. Oh, so two part question. Um, I really want to find out about our quarterback situation. To be completely honest, like if I want Spencer to have a say in some of the things and have a voice in that, and I want to know what he's comfortable with. I do think there's merit, and I think this. I've had great conversations with NFL coaches from my transition of okay. We're far off right now when I say we as coaches from the NFL to college. And when I first got in the NFL, you, when you get in the coach, I mean, in 2005, my first year, and uh, went to Dallas with uh, Parcells and Sean Payton, is the coolest thing is you're sitting there watching NFL films and you're watching John Gruden mic'd up and he's just giving it to Chris Sims because Sims can't get the play call out in 17 words. And you're like, that's what I want to be. I want to coach and be like that. Well, then and you're sitting in the NFL and you, I don't have a 20 hour rule, and I watch these rookies come in and can't get a play call, and can't get the huddle broke. And you're like, man, why, this doesn't seem that hard. Like, you're not studying enough, and you're not putting in the time you need. And then you come to college football, you're like, oh, man, they got class. They're 18 years old. I can't – I don't remember what it was like when I was 18, but I had a lot of crap going on in my life that football wasn't always the, the most important thing. I had to study. I had to find a girlfriend. Uh, you know, I had to hang out with the boys and all that stuff. So – what I have learned, I've told my friends in uh, pro coaching that there's a disconnect there and you and it comes with verbiage. And I made the comment earlier um, to my guy from Cleveland that uh, um, the knowledge builds confidence and confidence allows you to play fast. And some of that is reducing verbiage as much as you can to make it fit where it still makes sense. And you don't have to have a 17-word play call. And I don't, I don't know that I would have known that if I didn't come for two years and watch college football and – and understand exactly what these guys are being taught because these NFL offenses, offenses they're awesome and they, they are super sophisticated. And you also get paid and you're full-time. That, that's your job, full-time. You're expected to be there at 7 o'clock and leave at 5 o'clock compared to a 20-hour rule. So it's crazy to think that we're going to try to have pro-style concepts like that they've had here. Obviously, they're, they're very sound that way. But how, how much can we reduce the terminology and still be efficient and streamlining? The, the biggest thing I've learned from college football was the space and pace of the game and the ability to communicate with signals in as uh, few words as possible. And that, that's you, what I've been impressed with is how fast these kids learn a signal opposed to words. For whatever reason, it just hits their brain and where you don't even have to say something, but you give a signal and everybody knows what to do. And there's a lot more one-word play calls in college football. And I think that's where the biggest transition for a college quarterback is going from 
college football to pro football, um, but you can still run pro style concepts and be able to communicate and signal in a fast way.